0: an initiative of Franciscan University of Steubenville. Faithandreason.com. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. First, I want to thank Dr. B for his uh, relatively clear and uh, very concise presentation, and also for this opportunity to respond to it. Uh, let's get this mic in the right spot here. All right, I think we're good. <laughs> and as he mentioned, there were two central points uh, to his talk. Uh, the first was that certain biological structures Uh, appear to be intelligently designed because they exhibit what he calls irreducible complexity. Uh, The second was that Darwin's theory of evolution by random mutation and natural selection is incompatible with design, and further he says that no consistent Christian can accept Darwinian evolution. Um, While it would be interesting to debate the concept of irreducible complexity um, due to limits of time, I'm going to focus on the second uh, claim. Uh, Partly because it's much more expansive and it is one that I believe is much more important to address if one desires to get to the heart of the debate regarding Darwin's theory. Now, Dr. B made the very important point in his talk. He's saying, discussion of evolution, Darwinism, and design becomes hopelessly confused if one is not exceedingly careful to define the terms and use them consistently. And I I couldn't agree with him more on that point. But in addition to that, when one is evaluating the compatibility of Darwinism and Christianity it is even more important to clearly distinguish between the scientific and philosophical meanings of the term Darwinism, In a nutshell, Darwin's scientific theory states the following, and this is what uh, Dr. Behe had mentioned. The history of evolution on this planet can be explained primarily via natural selection working on random variations within organisms. And I would like to argue uh, very briefly here in my time that as a scientific theory, there's nothing here that is inherently compatible with Christianity. Now, unfortunately, this scientific theory has been weighed down with so much philosophical baggage over the years that many people now believe that Darwin's scientific theory also demonstrates that there's no purpose or plan in nature. Uh, this is uh, the version of Darwinism that Dr. Behe was referring to in his talk, and it was the one that many of the uh, Nobel laureates were referring to. But I'd say this is wholly distinct from a Darwin's scientific theory. Right? Uh, this version that, uh, uh, that there's no purpose and plan in nature, I agree with Dr. Behe, is entirely incompatible with Christianity, but it's also not a scientific theory. It is a philosophical worldview. Darwin's scientific theory cannot demonstrate that there is no purpose or plan to creation, nor can it demonstrate that humankind is a meaningless twig on the great tree of life. Those that claim otherwise are merely hijacking a scientific theory, saying that life forms emerge via a process of random variations and natural selection, attacking on questionable philosophical claims about the lack of purpose or design. Now, it doesn't matter how many Nobel laureates or science teachers or philosophers or biologists claim otherwise, a scientific theory cannot make statements regarding the absence of ultimate purposes and still claim to be a scientific theory. Those that make this claim or allow others to do are merely allowing bad philosophy to masquerade as science, a situation, in my opinion, that only serves to confuse matters. It is far better to expose the bad philosophy for what it is so that one can evaluate Darwin's scientific theory on its own legs. So how is it that so many people have erroneously equated Darwin's scientific theory with a world devoid of purpose? Nobel laureates and so on. Well, it all stems from erroneously equating a process involving random variation with a process that is unplanned and unsupervised. In the case of Darwin's theory, this argument goes, something like this. Because the variations that are involved in transform one population of organisms into another are random and their exact occurrence is unpredictable, then the whole process must be unplanned, unsupervised and devoid of design. This line of argument is enough for some people to dump Darwin's theory wholesale for its lack of compatibility with Christianity or for others to embrace it wholesale for its atheistic undertones. Right. If we accept this line of reasoning though, I think we get into a predicament because we have to then conclude that the randomness and unpredictably, unpredictability of many other events in life are devoid of design. Uh, biosis, process of fertilization, uh, the chance encounter of meeting one's future wife at an airport after they have a flat tire and missed their plane. They're all things that would then be devoid of de- That's not how I met my wife, by the way. <laughs> it's much more devoid of design than that. <laughs> But the fact of the matter is we don't jump from random and unpredictable uh, to unplanned and devoid of design in these cases, at least I hope we don't. The reason we do not is because the mere occurrence of random contingent events uh, does not preclude God's providence. Events that are contingent in our eyes, ones that we cannot predict or ones that appear uncorrelated to us, can still be used by God to obtain his ends. As Aquinas has said, the the effect of divine providence is not only that things should happen somehow, but they should happen either by necessity or by contingency. And skipping a bit. And that happens from contingency, which the divine providence conceives to happen from contingency. Things that are random do not occur outside of God's providence. The point here is that nothing in Darwin's scientific theory is incompatible with a Christianity Uh, with Christianity, because randomness and contingency can be entirely compatible with a loving, all-powerful creator who allows these events to occur to fulfill his own ends. Now, despite this, uh, there's a second point I would like to make um, that that builds off of this. Uh, This is that despite the, um, the, because of all the randomness and unpredictability they see in evolution, atheistic Darwinists continue to fall all over themselves to point out how contingent and chance events run evolution, as if that somehow magically removes God from the picture. I mean, all the time you hear, well, if the asteroid didn't hit Earth 60 million years ago, humans wouldn't be here today. Putting aside the scientific problems with that argument, uh, one of the biggest ironies, I think, of the situation is that these atheists, preoccupied as they are with the random aspects of Darwin's theory, fail to acknowledge, the elephant in the room, which is that there is an immense amount of order that is required for his theory to even get off the ground. Natural selection cannot work without the universe that we occupy, and that requires a huge amount of order. I mean, natural selection is not a thing. You you can't point to it, oh, here's natural selection, look at it. It's a process that works on something, and it works on nature. It is this order that I think uh, in the universe that helps direct and more importantly point to a creator. So contrary to what we might think in some of our weaker moments, we do not live in a chaotic universe. Uh, Turning to Cardinal Schoenberg again, as Dr. Behe uh, had in his talk a couple times, I'll take a quote from um, uh, one of his lectures. He said, the entire scientific enterprise is the discovery of the order, laws, connections, and relationships. It is the discovery of the letters, the grammar, the syntax, and ultimately the text itself that God has put into the Book of Creation. Now this text that has been written into the Book of uh, of Creation is not simple to decode, but what has been deciphered at this point is breathtaking in scope and elegance. Studies have revealed a universe that seems beautifully balanced to sustain life, A universe that is deeply relational in ways that are still puzzling to the best scientific minds. A universe that is remarkably intelligible and ordered. And for the purposes of my talk, a universe that I believe is remarkably suited for natural selection. Now, what do I mean uh, by that last point? For natural selection to work, it absolutely requires the existence of specific, stable, ordered entities, namely organisms or some type of molecule to sift through. The natural selection has to have something to work on. Right? A universe, for example, that consists solely of chaotic clouds of gas that flee in and out of existence would render natural selection impotent. A universe with nothing more complex than hydrogen atoms would also leave natural selection unemployed. Yet we find ourselves in a universe which stable ordered entities like amoebas, frogs, squirrels, et cetera, exist. And the question, why is this? Now on a scientific level, one can point to the existence of the stable ordered entities like frogs is largely due to the fact that they are made of stable ordered proteins which in turn owe their existence to the stable ordered amino acids of which they are composed now these amino acids owe their stability in order to the limited number of stable order elements that exist in our universe there's a limited possibility there and it has to do with these elements, the, the limited ones that exist, and their stability has to do with the existence of the stable order at the subatomic level, and it's forces and the subatomic particles. The key point that I'm trying to make is that order at each level is utterly dependent upon order at a level below it. And natural selection is absolutely dependent upon all of these levels. It is absolutely dependent upon this order being written into our universe. As Stephen Barr um, uh, mentioned in his book, uh, a quote from um, his book, Modern Physics and Ancient Faith, he states, the order which we see in nature at one level has its roots in a more mathematically perfect order that exists at a deeper level. Given this order, the existence of this order, which is a gift to natural selection in a sense, natural selection can, coupled with random variations, can mine through it and unveil, unveil the potentialities that are inherent in it. One example of uh, to, to illustrate this concept can be seen in the structure of proteins, which are the major building block of cells and, 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 and organisms, one of the major building blocks. Right. Now, despite the infinite number of uh, proteins are made of amino acids, little so building blocks, but despite the infinite sort of arrangement or sequence of amino acids that you have, you could string together uh, them in uh, many, many different orders. Uh, nearly infinite uh, array of orders, they all will collapse or fold into two stable ordered secondary structures, alpha helices and beta sheets. In addition, combinations of those then fold into about 500 or so basic protein forms or folds forms that are based upon the order that is inherent in the amino acids themselves. So why do proteins fold into alpha helices and beta sheets? Why don't they form into other things? It's largely because of the structure of the amino acids, the backbone of them that they all share, that is based upon the chemistry, which is based upon the physics that undercovers them, underlies them. Now. This should be a breathtaking realization. It was, uh, to me, when, when, when I uh, came across this in my gra- in graduate school. Despite an infinite number of possible combinations of amino acids, only a very limited number of possible protein forms appear to be stable in our universe. In fact, totally divergent sequences, so you can have proteins that are made of totally different amino acids, will fold into very similar structures. Right? Uh, these forms are not being imposed upon the proteins, but they are actually part of the very nature and action of proteins, which have the ordered chemical and physical laws built into their very being. Natural selection does not have to construct these forms in scratch, it merely uncovers what is already there. Right? Uh, Conway Morris in his book, Inevitable Humans in a Lonely Universe, captures this notion on a much grander scale. His argument is largely based off the fact that certain structures or behaviors appear repeatedly throughout evolution in distinctly different branches of life. Examples include camera-like eyes, uh, echolocation, uh, viviparity, and there's many, many others. It's an excellent uh, book. I'd recommend it to anybody. Uh, Morris argues that given the ordered structure and the constraints that exist in our universe, these specific structures or behaviors are so robust that natural selection coupled with random variations will find them repeatedly. The exact pathway may be unpredictable to us, but just like a rock, when it bounces down a hill, takes an unpredictable pathway, it will reach the bottom. The end result is not necessarily random. So in conclusion, when we look at evolutionary history, it it is certainly clear that it is influenced by chance encounters and random events. It does not follow though from this that there is no purpose or plan to creation. We cannot reject Darwin's theory as Darwin's scientific theory as incompatible with Christianity merely because it incorporates chance events. Such chance events can be part of God's providential plan just as the chance encounters of our everyday life can be fraught with transcendent purpose and meaning. In addition to the randomness now, an examination of evolutionary history also reveals, and this is, I think, even more important, it reveals an underlying order that appears to funnel natural selection towards certain forms. This is what the science reveals. And if we step back from this and read it more broadly, then we can see that the scope, more broadly than the scope of science, and I use that in the term of the modern empirical sciences, allows, we can see or that it paints a picture consistent with the God who has endowed the universe with the order and creative capacity to carry out his plan. Thank you. An initiative of Franciscan University of Steubenville, faithandreason.com. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind.